from the Idaho Catholic Podcast. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from beautiful and spacious Western Idaho. We have the group gathered together again tonight, and we have a special topic that we'd like to share with you. So happy Wednesday to all of you. It's Wednesday night. I hope you had a great week. And to go around the table real quickly, just want to let you know that who we have here. We have Ryan with us tonight. We have John and we have Nick. Now, Ryan's new to us. Um, he's the number five to our group. And Ryan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because our listeners don't know who you are. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. My name is Ryan Klein. I live here in Caldwell. I grew up in Eastern Oregon, though. I've lived here for about five years. And um, I have a beautiful wife named Tanya. We just got married this summer. And... We're uh, expecting our first child in April, so we're pretty excited excited about that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your um, wedding ceremony. I I was there, and it was pretty special. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. um, We had Father Mark Ullincott and Father Nathan Dale just nine days after his ordination. Um, it It was his first wedding, so... Um, we knew more about our vows than he did. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell I had you. To, I had to help him get uh, flipped to the right page in the book at our rehearsal. So. <laughs> you know, he, he is an awesome new priest, but I got to tell you, because um, I, I was blessed enough to just uh, be a part of the wedding, and Ryan and Tanya invited me. And when we were getting ready in the sacristy beforehand, he was I hope it's okay for me to say this, but um, he was pacing back and forth, and you could tell he was nervous. <laughs> and, and, but um, what a great rock solid priest! Yeah, yeah. And you, so the the wedding was in the cathedral. Yep, St. John's Cathedral in Boise. And it was probably one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever ever seen. What you guys you guys made this very special in some ways, the way you planned it out. What were some of the things yeah. that you did in the planning of the wedding? Um, I. I tried to um, have the most beautiful music we could we could find. Um, I've been to some I've been to some weddings that had some songs that I felt were a little bit cheesy, and I didn't want any I didn't want anything like that in our wedding. So. No karaoke, huh? <laughs> yeah, no karaoke. <clears throat> yeah, no karaoke by the priest or anything like that. And um, uh, I had I asked Father Father Ullincott to chant um a good part of the mass as much as he felt that he could possibly do basically so uh, made him made him work harder than normal i guess <laughs> i i yeah. loved it it was just so reverent and holy and you could just tell it inspired many many people um by by witnessing that that event yeah this summer yeah. we got to see uh father nathan at the idaho family camp oh. and uh, got to celebrate mass with him and we're just so taken back by uh his reverence i mean Uh just awesome really neat experience and and uh so i wish i could have been there to see that Uh, yeah it was was a beautiful ceremony or beautiful mass yeah and i even got um we had uh chanted readings that was probably another big difference that uh you know an unusual thing i guess that you, I've only seen it at um, a few masses in my life, maybe like one or two, even. Um, um, the one, that... the one, like the one that was like uh, freshest in my mind was 
uh, Father John Kuchera's ordination last year when Father oh, okay. Deacon Joseph uh, chanted the gospel, and I thought that was pretty beautiful. So I I guess I dug more into it um, later, and um, that's uh, you know that's a that's an option still in the missal. Um, so it's it's in, it's something that's encouraged by the by the church and by the by the liturgical books to be done it's just uh i think a lot of uh, priests are like anybody else i think they a lot of them don't like to sing in public so it's you know <laughs> and you, only it's only it's, it's stepping out of your comfort zone for most people in general so you know you yeah. did go out on a limb though because you asked uh, Deacon oh, carry to yeah. chant <laughs> <laughs> i was pretty proud of that <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty big accomplishment for for him and and for I guess I felt like I felt a little bit proud myself that I that I got him to do it but yeah he, I think yeah. he did a great job so he did he did yeah, yeah. so yeah. John and Nick anything special this week for you guys mm, just another week <laughs> <laughs> Not much. And, and it's Wednesday Actually, we're halfway through Wednesday. I spent the whole weekend uh, with my kids my wife was out of town visiting a friend in, in Billings Montana so got some real quality time with my two little <laughs> rascals <laughs> Yeah. But it was great. It was. Hey, we should mention before I get to you, John, <clears throat> that uh, Mike's not here tonight. And uh, do you guys know where Mike, what Mike's doing right now? Hunting. Hmm. He's looking for Bambi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I heard. I hope I hope he has good luck as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, um, you actually led a class at our church with the adult education program and you did it after the uh, nine o'clock mass on sunday do you want to tell us a little bit about the class that you gave um yeah it was entitled understanding marian devotion um it was a thing that i came and kind of came about um you know wanting to get into practicing um, my faith a little bit more deeply and um you know doing things um maybe that make me a little bit more uncomfortable, you know, in, in trying to really expand my, my horizons a little bit. Um, but one of the things that uh, I had received uh, when we went to that Idaho uh, family camp this summer, uh, they gave us a, a really nice collection of takeaways. And uh, along with some, some great books, they also included uh, uh, this uh, handout, or excuse me, little booklet that that you have there and uh what it's a pretty long title but it's uh it's called 33 days to morning glory um yeah a, a self-guided retreat i believe that that's what it was called but anyway so um just going through that process and and trying to uh um spell that out for everybody and and uh things that i learned going through the process and from the talk that you gave, and I, I sat in the talk, and it, it was delivered very, very well, and there was a lot of material there. When you were preparing for this retreat, was there one thing in particular maybe that kind of stood out regarding maybe a devotion to Mary or a relationship with Mary or how some of the authors or the people that the author quoted in the book, I believe it was Mother Teresa, it was also John Paul the Great... And there was two other individuals as well. Anything maybe that they said? Does anything come to mind that really touched you in a special way? 
about Mary or the relationship with Mary or the consecration to Mary? Right. Um, I guess from my perspective, uh, you know, come as, as a relatively new convert to uh, Catholicism, um, you know, coming from a, a Protestant angle, if you will, um, I really had difficulty with it. I really struggled with it. And as I researched the uh, uh, the devotions a little bit more, came to realize that I had a, a very anemic understanding of, uh, first of all, Mary, but in the bigger picture, the bigger scope of of uh, my theological understanding was really looking at other folks that uh, are mentioned in the Gospels or, you know, like the key people that you hear about. Sometimes, uh, for me, they almost get relegated to kind of like these background characters that might pop up every once in a while. But going through this process, I really realized that, uh, you know, gosh, you know, they really had... uh, excuse the term, but they really had skin in the game. So, you know, they made sacrifices, they took things upon themselves. Um, and I think that really translates well uh, when we look at the lives of the saints. And and it really translates well when we look at our own lives and our own uh, journey, uh, uh, our own religious journey. And understanding that, you know, folks have walked this path before us and we have so much to learn and gain, not only from their experiences, but also by asking them to help us. You know? So it was a really growing experience for me to, to really look at um, Mary, especially her special gifts that she's given uh, to the church, her roles that uh, that she gives to us um, just some really rich deep um, theological and um, ground to cover there so i have a quick question <clears throat> maybe i'll direct this towards ryan and and maybe nick when, when you guys think of mary and and the example that she gives us in life um, what are some of the things that maybe come to mind to you about mary and you know i think about you know the annunciation the, the visit to her cousin Elizabeth, um, just the various things that we do know about Mary. How, how does that resonate with you in your own life? I think for me right now, I'm, um, I'm in, in the middle of a job hunt. I'm not sure what, um, what I'm going to be doing a year from now, I guess, as far as like a career goes. Um, so for me, the, the annunciation, kind of resonates with me because, uh, you know, there's, there's some things that I'm interested in that I feel like maybe God's calling me to do, but they don't, uh, they don't seem to pencil out by like worldly standards or they don't fit with, um, where I've been working to in my career so far. Um, so I guess seeing, you know, Mary just, Mary didn't know, you know what the what God's plan was, and what the angel told her didn't really make sense, other than that God wanted her to do it. But she just said yes anyway. So, do you think that there's anything different in the culture and the day that we live in right now that maybe made it easier for Mary to just pack up and go 
without much thought? Is our life any different today or do we just think it's different today? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Well, I've never seen an, an angel per se, <laughs> yeah. so I, uh, yeah. I think that, that might push it over the edge uh, a little bit. But I think, yeah, there's, there's, there are differences, but it's kind of like Ryan was talking about. It's, it's just how our world stacks up against what actually matters in our life relative to God and our relationship with Christ. And, and where do we turn to get that direction in our life? I think about that a lot. I, you know, we're so inundated with, you know, different aspects of our culture. And, you know, there's been a lot going on in politics lately. I think most of you guys would probably say that you're not immune to it. And, and I've been drawn to the TV, but the more I, I watch, you know, the news, um, the more I think it separates me from really my spiritual relationships. And I think our culture can do that in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Definitely. Yeah. So really getting back to really the, the topic of Mary and who Mary is in our own lives, maybe you guys could share a little bit about um, how you feel your relationship is with Mary. What do you like about it? What do you wish was maybe different about it? What are some of your thoughts about Mary? <coughs> crickets, crickets, crickets. <laughs> do you have any cricket sound effects on there? I do. But, uh, <laughs> so let me, let me preface it with this. Because <clears throat> I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days. And I was thinking, does this, the way we view Mary and the way we connect with Mary... Does it have something to do with maybe how women have been presented to us in our own lives, how our mothers were to us in our life? If we, I've always thought that if we had a, a mother that was very caring and ingenuous and self-giving, self-sacrificing, that it might be easier for somebody to relate to some of these characteristics um, in Mary. And I think about how many people are in our culture that don't have a mother and father, or at least a stable, you know, mother and father in their life. And what does that, how does that translate into how they feel about, you know, God the Father or Mary or the Holy Spirit? I, I can't help but think that it does somehow relate to that. Does that spark any thoughts with you guys at all? I can speak from my own experience that I came from a very loving and supportive family, um, mother who was, you know, stay-at-home mom and was always really involved in, uh, um, always there, you know. And so, like I said earlier, you know, kind of relegating Mary to the background, you know, oftentimes I think the people that are there for you the most kind of end up taking that background role, right? Yeah. It's, you know, as Bishop Barron says, you know, at the end of it, you realize that your life is not about you. And so, you know, turning that around and giving it to others. And so I was very blessed to have that in my own life. Um, that same same situation was, uh, you know, is not the same for everybody. And, for, you know, for personal experience, you know, being in a relationship with somebody, um, you know, earlier in my life that did not have that at all. And uh, just absolutely colored uh, her world entirely and uh, it was very difficult to uh, um, you know to connect with with a person like that um, you know so yeah it definitely is wounding I think yeah. would be a good term for it 
Um, and so how to overcome that. Um, I, I, I think that's difficult for a lot of people because those are just foundational moments yeah. in our life. Yeah, you can't give what you don't have. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I really do think a lot of, um, and this is, I guess, maybe important for, for you guys that are young, uh, you know, young fathers and young parents, just, just how much you, through your modeling and uh, your actions in life, how that teaches your kids and that you are the representation of really God, the father to, to your kids. And the mom is the representation of the Holy spirit or Mary to those kids. I have kind of a unique story in the sense with my mom, my mom had a severe mental illness, uh, bipolar disorder, and there's a lot of craziness that was in our lives. It's probably why I became a psychiatric nurse (laughs) in some regards. Looking back, it's probably true to be honest, but, um, but there was a lot of craziness that was in our life. And, you know, I had a great dad that was just a rock solid guy that kept our family together. And I had five brothers. There were six boys. So rock solid dad, six boys, and a mom who would just do crazy stuff sometimes. Um, real impulsive, crazy stuff. Yet she was rock solid in her faith. And she was very, very humble. And after she had these manic episodes and did these crazy kind of things, um, and she came back down, then the depression would come in, and then the remorse for the things that she did. And I really saw a whole life really of really suffering, a lady that really suffered, but she embraced it with her faith. She was always humble. She was always a servant to all of us. And, and I think a lot of ways, when I think about who Mary is, I take some of those qualities that I think are great qualities from my mom and I directly relate those to Mary. And I think of the power of, of really who my mom was really represents who I view as I view the spiritual world as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a reminder for a lot of us as we're teaching our kids and trying to live the best life we can. It's not so much our words, but it's in our actions that, that really will perpetuate throughout their whole life. Right. On, on really the spiritual world, the unseen world. They mm-hmm. take what is seen and apply it to what is unseen a lot of times. So back to your talk. <laughs> we got sidetracked a little bit. Um, did you want to add anything that you saw as a highlight from your talk that maybe we could um, uh, ponder a little bit? Well, I think one of the, the big things, the stumbling blocks that uh, maybe people that aren't Catholic don't quite understand um, the roles of, you know, Mary or the saints versus, uh, you know, I, I brought up one thing talking about adoration versus veneration. Um, you know, adoration is, is only what we give to God, God alone, you know, that, that kind of a worship uh, at that level, um, versus, um, more along the lines of veneration where we appreciate, um, uh, and admire, uh, the life somebody has led, you know, those sorts of things. And so maybe to kind of clarify things a little bit more, you know, ver- completely separate from what we might worship in at Mass or in our prayers to God, um, you know, separate from that entirely, is, uh, you know, the other prayer life that we might have, that we might share for one another. You know, I might ask somebody to pray for me. And that's the role of, of saints is... Uh, you know, as examples, 
but then also that uh, that friend request you know that um you know pray for me and and these folks uh, you know, it's it's been documented the the lives that they've led, the sacrifices that they've made, the differences they've made in others' lives. Um, you can't argue with it. And so, to to live uh, or try to model your life or learn from those uh, examples that somebody might give uh, is a is a great way to model your own life. Um, asking somebody to pray for you. Oh, come on. Everybody does that. So why wouldn't you not want these, you know, these huge uh, uh, superheroes, if you will, Mm -hmm. of the faith to pray for you? Um, You know, everybody brings gifts and, you know, God gives us all gifts. um, And and so why would you not go to those people with those particular gifts and ask for assistance? And so that's one aspect, um, you know, really take away from from my uh, 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 journey through through this uh, retreat. I, I've heard it said before that um, when you think of Mary and you think of you know praying to Mary or handing things over to Mary, um, you have to think in the context of uh, who is Jesus to Mary and, and who is Mary to Jesus. And right. Mary is the mother. And how many sons are going to say no? to their mom right right right. and how she uh uh can really um uh help uh intensify some of our prayers and 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 i always like to think they can she can fast track them as well and i think about really the first time she asked jesus to do something was at the uh wedding feast Mm -hmm. at cana and what did she ask him to do really to step up and really show himself to the world Mm -hmm. and and even though he, I, I see him as almost a somewhat of a defiant, mildly defiant at first, you know. <laughs> but what did what did he do? He did what his mother asked yeah. him to do. Well, and then if you even before that, if you think about, uh, you know, when Jesus goes missing for three days, and uh, you know they they come into the temple, they find him there, and you know, come on, guys, you knew that you know I'd be in my father's <laughs> house, yeah. yeah. And you know, Mary gives him you know, an earful of like, how can you do this to us? You know, and, and, uh, and it says, what does it say? Jesus was obedient from then on. Yeah. Wow. You know? Um, so yeah, those, those takeaways like that, I think, uh, um, from that role of, you know, what, what is Mary to Jesus? What is Jesus to you? Who is Mary to you? You know, and, and, uh, you know, does she speak to you like that? Does she, um, you know, are you allowing um, the people in your life to help you uh, model yourself? And, you know, do you listen to, to them? And so what, what great, um, you know, lessons would, that we can learn from her? So I have a question for you guys, um, because I think this is probably true for a lot of men out there. Um, they, they maybe don't have a close relationship with Mary for whatever, the, for whatever reason they don't. So what do you think guys could do? You know, Joe the plumber who wants to have, uh, you know, a better relationship with Mary. Um, where, where does he start? What, what do you guys think? Where, where would a man start if he wanted to cultivate that relationship with Mary? I don't know if it's where you start, but I think the rosary is <laughs> one of the best ways to... to I don't know if it reach a better understanding is, is the right way of putting it, but to just contemplate the mysteries. And I know that's been something that 
has been played a large role in my relationship with with Mary and how I see Mary just um, just contemplating what seems like an infinite amount of um, holiness coming from her and and, and the roles she played um, in her life and yeah what what about guys that say you know what to be honest I don't even know how to pray the rosary <laughs> Yeah. I've never, I never, I never really learned. I know my mom did it all the time. This might be what they're saying, um, but but where would they start? How would they start? How would you learn how to pray the? How would you, if someone's listening to this right now and they've never prayed the rosary, what, what would they do? You know, there's rosary apps you can download. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had one on my phone for a while when I was when I traveled. I'd, play I'd uh, yeah just listen to the rosary I think for me the the thing that I learned was really looking at what does Mary help us do um, you know she well from my talk you know she helps to nurture and shape us uh, through that she's helping us to per- perfect our prayers and intentions um, and so maybe looking or approaching Mary as somebody that that can help you along the way that you don't need all the you know you don't need all the answers um you can take your humble little prayer and and uh do the best that you can with that and entrust it to mary that uh you know that she's going to help you in, in growing like that um what what if you have small kids at home and you wanting to start this with your kids and you know they don't have the attention span to sit down for 15 to 20 minutes to pray the rosary. Do you guys have any suggestions on what a young family could do? Hmm. Try one <laughs> decade. <laughs> That's what I was hoping to hear. <laughs> a little bit at a time. And yeah. then what about even ourselves where we find maybe the rosary is something new for us and... Um, the only time that we can really think about that we want to squeeze it in is before we go to bed and we start off and we get probably one decade done and we fall asleep. Is there, is there anything wrong with that? You guys, what do you think? Yeah, I've found in my life that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, help you start uh, having a good bedtime prayer habits. If you pray well after you've already gotten in bed, because I always fall asleep. So you got to do it before, maybe just, you know, be in the living room right before you're going to go to bed or sit up in your bed at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I think a good yeah. motivation for a lot of people is if you're thinking about doing something, but you for whatever, for whatever reason you are finding obstacles in your way, you just need to try it. You just need to do it, even if you can't complete something. Wasn't yeah. it G.K. Chesterton said, you, do you guys remember the quote about, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Something I know I'm misquoting that wrong. Mm-hmm. And it just means that you don't wait until you can do something perfectly to try it. Right. Um, yeah. I'm sure I quoted that wrong, but, but that's the point there. <laughs> well, Mother Teresa was, uh, would say that, um, you know, would set us, for example, set aside an hour of prayer a day. And every time you'd start something like that, well, there'd be some obstacle that would come up. Um, and that just meant that you needed to do it twice as long or, you know, um, mm-hmm. you just put that much more effort into it. It'll make its time. 
Yeah. So um, a lot of a great approach is just to do something. Um, put, you know, five minutes aside. Say, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna put five minutes. Five minutes is it. I, you know, and then you'll find yourself. Well, you took ten minutes. <laughs> you know? I had um, a, I had a spiritual director once say about the rosary. He said, um, he said, come on, you got to think of it through the eyes of Mary. You you stop whatever you're doing. You're setting aside some time to spend some time with Mary and to pray. And if you fall asleep before you finish, do you think Mary's going to care? She's going <laughs> to see that as you laid your 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 head down in her lap. You got so comfortable with her and that you fell asleep and and you're not going to be judged for not finishing the rosary. Yeah. I thought that was a great visualization. Hmm. Yeah. So I know we've gone really off topic a little bit in some regards because we were talking about John's talk. That was an amazing talk and it was really based on the book 33 Days to Morning Glory. And it's, it was a wonderful talk. And there is also a retreat companion that you can uh, buy. No, we're not selling it. We get no profits off of it. Um, but there's a great little retreat companion. And it really takes you through day by day. And it has some questions in it as well. And I think the questions are great because it helps you really think a little bit about um, your faith a little bit more deeper. And really on, on day three of this retreat guide, there's a little question here I want to share with you guys. It says, if we were baptized as infants, our baptismal vows were made by others on our behalf. However, we renew our baptismal vows whenever the Easter season comes around. During such times, we're asked if we reject the devil and all his works, and whether we believe in each of the statements of the creed. How serious is a vow in today's world anyway? Reflect on the vow you made to God at your baptism and on your vows you made on your wedding day if you're married. Do you know the date of your baptism? Do you celebrate your baptism? Any thoughts with what I just shared with you guys? December 15th, <laughs> 1991. Isn't that fair? <clears throat> I'm amazed. I don't I, know mine. I don't know mine either. Um, my, mom, my mom was really big on, on this growing up. Um, celebrating baptism birthdays that's what she calls them so hmm. she would make a cake for us and uh, if it, usually not always but she would definitely remind us and she still does when December 15th comes around she sends me an email or text and says happy baptism birthday or oh. baptism <laughs> day or whatever yeah. I, I know you know one of the things I'm lucky to do is I, I actually get to baptize people um, as a as a permanent deacon and I you know within the ceremony there's a little portion of that where you can kind of stop and you can share a little bit kind of a brief homily in a way about what baptism is and and I look around the room and I'm seeing you know the mom and the dad and the grandparents and then I see all these other people that are there and and they might be Catholic, they might not be Catholic. If they are Catholic, a lot of times they haven't practiced their faith in a long time. And one of the things I like to share is that this day, this baptismal day, is the most important day for that baby in their entire life. Many of them will go on to get married, they'll go through college, they'll have different accomplishments in their life. But there is no greater day than that baptismal day because that's the day that God has claimed them as one of their own and they become part of the Christian family. And I see these eyes kind of open up sometimes out there because I think they lose the sense 
of how powerful baptism is and what it means. Yeah. Can yeah. you guys believe that uh, our time is already up? Yeah. <laughs> time goes by so fast. Well, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. And uh, next week when we get together, I'm going to prompt Ryan and Nick to talk a little bit more. And, uh, <laughs> and me to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in, that, I'm in that over there with you as well. But anyway, thanks you guys for listening. We look forward to seeing you soon. Look forward to seeing you next week. I hope that God keeps you very close, that you see him in the love and lives of people around you, and that you have a very peaceful evening, and God bless you. Good night.